0: Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, Explorers. I'm Pam Ricchia, and this is episode number 267 of the podcast. It's the 3rd of March, 2021, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a really fun conversation with siblings Laura and Alan Ellis about growing up on schooling. They share how their childhood interests and experiences inform the work they currently do and some of the realizations they've had along the way. We talk about how their mom supported their interests and provided opportunities to pursue their goals without controlling their choices or adding weighty expectations. Laura and Alan also describe the benefits they see in retrospect from having grown up unschooling. It's wonderful to hear their perspectives and to see how their unique journeys have unfolded so far. I also want to mention that Sue Patterson is going to join me for a Q&A episode in the next few weeks. I haven't done a Q&A episode in a while, so if you have a question you'd like us to dive into, please email it to me, pam at livingjoyfully.ca. I look forward to hearing what's on your mind right now. And as a personal update, I am officially looking forward to spring. Our driveway is a sheet of ice. We've had high winds and blowing snow the last couple days. It's so cold. We've been snow covered for four months now, I think. I am definitely ready for a change and to get outside more. And before I wrap up my intro, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patrons, Rachel Allert and Cindy Marie Jenkins. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Cindy. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support helps pay for the hosting and transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's P A T R E O N.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now, let's dive into my conversation with Laura and Alan. Welcome. I'm Pam LaRicchia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Laura and Alan Ellis. Hi to you both. Hi Pam. Hi. I recently came across uh, your website Why Unschool and I got really excited to learn more about your experiences growing up unschooling. You guys whet my appetite with your website there. Uh, So thank you so much for saying yes and agreeing to chat with me. To get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and your family?
1: Yeah, so um, so I'm the older one. (laughs) I'm Laura. I'm I'm 34. Alan's, what? How old are you now? 31. 31 now.
2: Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) we're getting so old we can't remember how old we are anymore. You know, when you're little, it's like I'm 11 and three quarters. I remember. um, (laughs) Not anymore. (laughs) Um, So we grew up um, entirely in the North Pittsburgh area. We were in. The suburbs uh, for for a while, and then we moved out into the country. Um, our family is is pretty like average, typical. You know, we're like white, upper middle class suburbia until we you know moved out to the country, and then you know now we're rural. But like very like you know one working dad, one stay at home mom. So. In a lot of ways, we were kind of um, like everything was kind of laid out for us in terms of like the ease of moving into homeschooling and unschooling um, from the outside. Anyway, like internally, we of course had our own challenges because every family does, and every family has quirks. And um, and ours in particular were things like um, like our father died when in 2001, so I was 14 and Alan was almost 12. So that. Kind of, you know, that was one of our challenges. And then we were also just like ideologically pretty different from everyone else in our community. So we had our own sort of like assumptions to overcome, like, you know, why are you guys homeschooling? Well, it's not for religious reasons, you know, that sort of thing. Um, And so we kind of like, but those like those same quirks were kind of like how we got into unschooling then too. So it was kind of a natural flow for us. moving that Alan? <laughs> that's,
2: that's the best summary. <laughs> put that together pretty articulately.
0: <laughs> oh, excellent. So what kind of prompted your family's move to unschooling? What did that look like?
1: So, um, so our parents were like, even though they were both very scientifically and analytically oriented, they both had, you know, computer science degrees. They were also both, pretty creative thinkers and that was sort of one of one of our like family differences that made us different in the first place um so like you know my mom was a computer science person when like women weren't in that field you know like she got her degree in computer science when that was not something that and our father um was kind of an inventor a little bit and um and we kind of like they were always kind of, just by being themselves, being out of the box anyway. Like they were co-presidents of the League of Women Voters around the time that we started homeschooling. So like they had a lot on their plates, you know? Um, so so I, we went to public school for the first couple of years. Um, I was in third grade when we started, when we decided to homeschool and Alan was just entering first grade. Um, and, and one of the reasons why they decided to make the switch was because um, I, I was starting to not like the math and sciences because um, I was kind of ahead of everybody in first grade and then, or like our whole first grade was ahead of, you know, the, the curve. And then we all got to second grade and our, our teacher was very by the book and was making us do all of that work over again. And I was starting to really dislike math and my parents being math and science people were like, oh no, (laughs) what are we gonna do? So um, our cousins were actually homeschoolers. So that's how they heard about this possibility for homeschooling. Um, So they, we decided to, um, there's a little bit of twists and turns in there, but the, the long story short is that they decided to start homeschooling us in that kind of traditional, like sit down at the kitchen table and work through textbooks kind of format. Um, And, and that just because of the way that our, our family is like, again, like I said, we were analytical and scientific, but also just creative and following our own passions, our own like uh, flow of life and that like sitting at the table working through textbooks, I think lasted about two weeks. And I remember that too. I I remember that slide pretty well that like sitting down and being like, nah, this isn't for me. And, and after a while, like I said, about two weeks, Alan and I were just kind of allowed to be kids, you know, just kind of play. And of course we like, we went to historical sites and museums and, you know, our parents were, were mindful of um, keeping learning opportunities open. And a lot of our games were educational games and things like that. But Um, But that sort of move into that, that freer lifestyle was pretty organic, pretty, pretty much just kind of us like following our, our natural leanings.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember too,
1: I, I didn't have
0: any family or anything or anyone I knew that was homeschooling. So my kids were in school for a few years before I discovered that was even a thing. But I, too, remember those couple of weeks trying to pull out workbooks and stuff. And so quickly you realize that they're interfering with the learning more than they're helping with the learning. (laughs) So do you remember? Very much. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it really gets in the way of of what you're doing. Like, naturally, it's like I have all these things I want to do when I get up. Right. And sitting at the kitchen table isn't really one of them. (laughs)
2: No. Do you remember much of that time, Alan? So my memory of it was was just more social-based. Like, I was in kindergarten. So, I, you know, it was... Kinder, kindergarten was simply, you know what I mean? It's not like there's a very structured curriculum at that age. So, uh, no, my, my mem As my mom tells it years later, apparently I was coming home more and more, like, frustrated and, like, not in a good mood and, like being, being more rude and more irritable. Like she was just able to detect that as it was going on. And to her, that was one of the red flags that she was like, what's going on. And, you know, is this something that, that we should be doing something about? But my memory at the time was just very easy. It was just, it was, Hey, we're going to try homeschooling. I was like, that sounds fun. Like that was <laughs> as much thought as I was putting into it at the time.
0: Uh, that's cool. I, it's interesting to hear your mom's perspective, though, that she was getting different messages from both of you um, in school. So both of those aspects were playing into her her choice to to try homeschooling at first. So that's that's really interesting to see because they were different concerns. But at the root of it, it's it's was the school environment. Right. So that's really interesting. So I would love to hear now that you've kind of set aside the textbooks after those couple of weeks, what were some of your interests and passions growing up? You know, what caught your interest? What excited you and how did you guys pursue that?
2: I I can start on that. So a, a big thing that I ended up being interested in was video production. And that's, it was just sort of one of those things, like, I don't know where it started. I just remember thinking that it was interesting watching the special effects on TV and trying to understand maybe how that, how that all worked. Probably one of the big kicks for it was we were visiting our cousins and they were really into Star Wars and they choreographed a a lightsaber fight using broomsticks. Uh, And so we had a, a video camera. And so I remember setting that up and recording them fighting it out and being able to put that in the computer and you right. There were tutorials online that I was able to follow to add all the lightsaber effects on onto them, and so we, you know, we were real, real Jedi knights uh, fighting with lightsabers. So from that point, I just remember feeling hooked. Like this is really fun. This is satisfying, and I just kept getting into all the details of the sound effects next and how the music works. And so I feel I feel really lucky that like I had an interest in. Something that had a good combination of it's something that was easy for me to learn and teach myself online, like also through resources, right? Like my mom was really good about, like books would appear on my shelf about, you know, video making for dummies, like things like that. Um, looking back, it was I really appreciated how strategic she was about noticing that I was interested in that and then surrounding me with some resources um, to help. But yeah, I was. It's it's a good example of an interest that I was accessible to me and um turns out it's something that's fairly straightforward to build a career on right like it's something that all the people want so um yeah Yeah. that it's it's been awesome yeah yeah that
0: point about your mom noticing like for me that's a really important aspect of unschooling you're not kind of just leaving your kids to learn the things that they're interested but to actually you know connect with them and engage with them enough to know what they're interested in so you can use your experience as well to bring in things that might be helpful I think that's just a beautiful example of that how about you Laura
1: yeah um I my interest didn't lead quite as um, as um, obviously into a career as Alan's and I was always jealous of him for that <laughs> but um, but I, I loved to write when I, I still love to write actually I'm still writing a whole lot but I remember like sitting on the couch writing stories in my notebooks um, and uh, and obviously later on the computer when when that was more of a thing. Um, and I loved um, I like out of out of writing, of course, a natural um, companion to writing is reading. And I loved the American Girl series, which um, I, I don't know how many people know about that anymore these days. But it's a wonderful series for young girls about um, about girls nine and 10, uh, growing up in different time eras uh, in in America. And um, I actually recently reread the whole series because I found them in my attic. And I was like, oh my gosh and I learned so much again (laughs) Um, but that that was also one of those instances where my parents um, my mom in particular was like oh good you know Laura is really interested in these books let's foster that and so um, I took a course in embroidery at one point didn't much like it but you know like that sort of came out of that love of reading and love of those history books was learning how to embroider. We, we cooked a whole meal using a colonial recipe book because my favorite American girl was Felicity and she's from the colonial Williamsburg era. Um, and uh, my mom helped me to sew a costume, like a Felicity costume that was you know for Halloween, but also like I would wear it to reenactments, um, like local, local festivals and his- history fairs and things like that. Um, we actually went to Colonial Williamsburg at one point, um, so um, I had this sort of whole history and then like home ec coming out of that too, as well as writing stories. I actually wrote my own, I guess you'd call it fan fiction, but it was a story um, from the American, like I wrote my own American girl story uh, at one point too. Um, so so that was kind of how that was that was fostered when I was young. Um, and then I also loved just sort of fantasy and sci-fi in general. So that kind of got me into the whole um, internet fandom. <laughs> Maybe at a little bit too young age. <laughs> no one, no one knew at that point how dangerous the internet fandom can be for <laughs> for a kid. But um, I got into like fan fiction online, and I got into fan forums and things like that. Um, and um, let's see. I also I was also really into horses, and that that has actually informed who I am today as well. But I, um, I took horseback riding lessons. Um, I actually worked at that stable where I took lessons for a bit for lesson credit. So I got some you know, horse care experience and barn, barn care experience through that. And then when we moved out to the country, um, we actually have a, a pasture and we ended up boarding two horses uh, for a lady who was also a grown unschooler, which was actually really cool. Um, at the time like there you know there wasn't a whole lot of unschoolers at the time in general but like for someone like a grown-up unschooler she was working on her master's degree in Pittsburgh and she had two horses so um, so she ended up boarding her horses with us and she became kind of a mentor to me uh, which was a really that was a really great opportunity Um, so uh, and then I also love traveling we got to travel some you know as a family which, which was fantastic and of course as a kid it's, it's hard to instigate your own travel opportunities. But as I got older, because I love traveling so much, I would find my own and, um, and have gotten to do gotten, yeah, gotten to do a whole lot of traveling. Um, and I feel fortunate for that, too. So like I said, my, my, my interest range you know, is kind of like a, a broad range. And none of it really like directly informed the career the way that it did for Alan. But like, I chose my college because it had a lot of traveling and international studies opportunities. And that opened up the area that I eventually got into, which was acupuncture for me. So um, it kind of, even though I, it wasn't clear, the path wasn't clear just by following kind of step by step. Well, I know I like this and I know I like this and that, that opened up into what I do now. So
0: Okay, so I love, love, love that, you know, you've got like a a deeper passionate interest one with Alan, and your path was more broader in general, because so often unschooling parents will kind of latch onto one or the other as better. You know what I mean? They need a wide range of experience. Oh, no, they need a passion, you know? it's really about the child, right? And what they're interested yes. in. And your point, Laura, was yeah. perfect, right? Just follow, what am I interested in next? What am I interested in next? And just fall. I, I loved your examples too, Laura, about what you, your parents brought in, what your mom brought in with just around your American girls. So it's not, oh, she's reading all the time. Okay. She's busy. She's happy. I'm going to do the other things, but you know, the, the embroidery piece, it doesn't matter. You discovered that it wasn't a big interest for you, but you, you got to explore that and find out, right. And a little bit of travel and the costuming and the food. And there's just so many places that you can take even something that seems like a little interest, right. It's kind of that window to the world. And then you've got the writing, like all those beautiful pieces that wove together Is a wonderful way through the world, just as it was with Alan. He found something that lights him up and just follow that because there's also so many, so many places to take that, so many ways to take that, right? I mean, look at YouTube now, then the natural variety of the kinds of videos. So even diving into the kinds of videos that you like to produce and put together. And like you were talking about, the sound aspect, right? The artistic component, the creative components, there's the text component, like, you know, there is all the the life skills are bound up in all the things, right? So you're learning about writing, you're learning about reading, you know, Alan, you're reading the books, Laura, you're reading your fiction books, you're writing fiction, you know, it's just, just great examples. (laughs) I love that, that we had one of each path just to really show um, the listeners that one's not better than the other, except to an individual person, right? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yes,
0: exactly. Yeah, that's beautiful. (laughs) Okay, so let's shift a bit to your young adult years. So I'm curious what choices you made and how they unfolded for you guys. Laura, you mentioned college. So would you like to start a little bit with that?
1: Yeah. Um so yeah, I went to college um because quite honestly I I didn't know what else to do because like I said, none of the you know I had all these interests and these like desires and I knew I wanted to work with people but like there's lots of things you can do with people, you know. <laughs> so I I, I didn't know what else to do. Um, I actually, I took a year off after, after graduating high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a year off and I, I spent like five months working at Disney world actually. Cause, um, we have a lot of family from Orlando and my grandmother had a house in Orlando. So I, I just moved out of the house for about five months and, and took my first job and, and that, that helped a lot with that kind of leaving home part of things. But, um, but yeah, I I knew that I was going to go to college anyway because I didn't I didn't know what else um, I didn't know how else to find um, what I really wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to you know, I didn't want to be a barn manager and I didn't want to be a writer and, and so like I'm not like that one thing to look look for. I didn't have um, a mentor to look for. You know, I couldn't um, go and ask for a job or an apprenticeship with somebody. Who did something that I was interested in because I, I I knew I knew that what I wanted to do wasn't quite there yet. Um, so I I decided to go to college. I went to Earlham College in, in Indiana. It's a small Quaker school, um, and that ended up um, like just kind of peeling things open for me. Like I met people who changed me. I I discovered this like rich um, inner spiritual life there and um, and an intellectual life that I didn't quite think that I had but I I did I really enjoyed um the learning that I did there um and um so so after so I graduated from college and I still actually didn't really know what I wanted to do or but I thought I did <laughs> I I decided I was going to go to graduate school after college I was I was like I'm going to go to graduate school I'm going to learn transpersonal psychology counseling and um and transpersonal psychology is fascinating. And I would actually still love to go to school to learn about it. Um, but it was a counseling degree. Like it would have taught me to become a counselor. And I was like, well, that sounds like something I can do. That's working with people. And I'm really interested in, in this psychology. So um, so I decided to do that. Um, and uh, it was actually Alan um, who who brought back the unschooler in me, you know, after having been four years in in an undergraduate program. I think I kind of, um, e- even though, even though I still had all of all of the personality and the things I learned from unschooling, um, just being in that kind of like structured uh, environment for four years, just kind of put me on this path of like graduate school next, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? And, and Alan and I actually moved back to Orlando together uh, after I graduated from college. And I thought I'll just spend the summer here and then I'll be moving off to Boulder for graduate school. And I remember really clearly um, there was this one day, and Alan's nodding. He's like, Yeah, I remember, mm-hmm.
2: this, too. <laughs> I remember this.
1: Yeah, we were in, um, was it the Verizon parking lot for some It was a parking
2: ago? lot. That's, it was the most random we, place.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know why this came up. I don't remember what we were talking about, but Alan looks at me and he says, Laura, I don't think you really want to go back to school. I don't think you really want to be a counselor and and i was like what are you talking about of course i do This this is my path i'm i'm going to graduate school what are you talking about and i took some time to think about it and i went oh no he's right (laughs) i and i realized i i didn't actually didn't actually want to be a counselor um even though i was i was academically interested in this and i and i would have gone to graduate school for an academic interest he he jolted this like inner this inner part of me that realized that this is not a heart interest this is not something that my heart is really into it's just my mind that was really into it so um so i decided to defer from graduate school and um and i i told myself i had to de-school um which i don't know i don't know if you talk much to your listeners about de-school but I think it's an important process and I so I told myself okay Laura you're going to de-school you're not allowed to think about any kind of career choices whatsoever until September and just you know take the rest of the summer off and that's what I did and and after once September came along then I I started exploring a little bit more and I found acupuncture and um, got interested in that and uh, got myself a job with a local acupuncturist and herbalist um, and worked for him for about a year until I decided to go to graduate school for acupuncture out in um, out in New Mexico. So and um, and that move to New Mexico was another huge uh, choice that I made as an adult because I had never been to New Mexico until the day that I moved there. <laughs> it was like a really big big leap of faith for me, but um, but it was it was probably the most important thing that I've done. In my life, I would say. like I, I blossomed into who I am today when I was out there. I was out there for four and a half years. Um, I met some of my dearest friends in the world out there. I consider them family. I met my sole horse out there and my sole dog. Actually, I brought both my horse and my dog back, back to Pennsylvania when I moved back here. Um, I learned a ton of stuff from two different jobs that I held while I was there. One of them was um, at a holistic uh, pet food store and so I learned a whole lot that relates to my current job which you know is in the healthcare field alternative healthcare field. Um, and the other job was I learned a lot about monastic craft brewing, which is less to do with my current job but it's still really interesting and really fun um, and I I was taken under by several different mentors while I was out there. Like I said I just learned so much got some cool travel opportunities like it was just, it was huge for me, and and if I hadn't had that courage to to question what my heart really wants, then I I would not have gone there. I would have been I would have been in Boulder, which maybe maybe that would have you know opened up different opportunities for me. I don't, I don't think it would have necessarily been a bad choice, but certainly um, reflecting back, it being in New Mexico was probably like i said the best thing that could have happened to me and i i needed or i needed alan really to help remind me of that that inner um that inner guide that i learned to have as growing up as an unschooler to follow what your heart really is interested in rather than what your society says you should maybe follow so i i credit alan with a whole lot of a whole lot of that Thanks. he's younger than me but he's wiser <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness.
2: I mean, yeah. Like I I remember I remember thinking, Laura, just like it, it it wasn't so much that like you know, you weren't passionate about, you know, counseling. It was more just like it, it seemed like you felt like you had no choice. And that was just why it was just that was a little red flag that I just wanted to tap the brakes on with you, because you just you seemed like you had to do it and that it was out of your control. And all I wanted to do was give you the space to recognize that you have a control and that that time of, you, of your life is a really good time to like pause, take a gap year. I don't, I guess you had taken a gap year at one point prior to college, but you know, it's, it's just good to breathe for a minute. And, you know, de-schooling is, is a wonderful thing to talk about. Cause I think a lot of people don't appreciate it. And I use it in plenty of other contexts that aren't related to schooling because, you know, society gets us in these mindsets where we feel like we have to just do the next rung on the ladder as fast as possible. And what de-schooling is all about at its heart is just hitting pause and just like, you know, if you can afford it, right? Like if you don't need to be working and don't need to pay next month's rent, like if you don't have those pressures, take advantage of it and just breathe for a minute and be yourself and and it can take some time, but that's, it's magic, right? That's the kind of the core of unschooling is fostering that when you're young.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and it, it it's it's easy to forget sometimes, um, which is OK, but I'm glad that I had Alan there to remind me of that, you know, even though um, I think especially for your parents listening, you can you can raise your kids um, in in this wonderful unschooling environment and teach them all these things that they need to know about following their interests and finding mentors. Um, and, and the fact is that we still live in this society that doesn't, um, foster that same thing. And there's always going to be a push and pull between the two. And sometimes people are people and people forget what they've, what they know really deep down to be capital T true about things.
0: Yeah, that's such a great point. The pressures, you know, for, for productivity to be doing, to always be doing, like you were saying on the next rung, do the next thing. And Laura, you were saying, you know, you had kind of that tunnel vision. Okay, now graduate school is the next thing. I I know, um, I used my kids so often as that guide, that reminder to pause, like taking that space to sit we, we are just prone to not want to sit with an uncomfortableness and not knowing what we want to do next for sure is an uncomfortableness or the, <clears throat> excuse me, the, um, you know, as you were going, seeing a path in front of you, that was like, that's the perfect, um, frame for it, Alan choice that, that you weren't feeling. It felt like the next right thing, right? Laura. you know, that's the next right thing on my path. And yeah, I like, I like counseling. I want to work with people that that makes sense. Like you were saying, that's my brain telling me, Versus your heart realizing that, no, I really have a choice and I want to take this moment, take this time to see how well you have to sit with things for a while to really see how they feel in your body, how they feel with your, with your heart. Like, are you enthusiastic about the thing rather than being able to perform the next step? You know, the, the difference.
1: (laughs) Yep yeah yeah and it took a lot of trust in alan too because i think if it had just been some random person i it would have been easy to brush them off or somebody that i you know i didn't trust to know me but yeah. i did i grew up with alan we you know it was just the two of us we were you know it just the two siblings and um and i i would have trusted my mom also to know me as well too but um but it, there's a different relationship between parent and child who and you know the parent is Always trying to trying to lead to new things, and I think even if my mom had said it, I might have brushed her off too, um, just because of that. Just because I know her tendency to say, "Laura, look at these other things," and um, and I was I was so you know it's comforting to have a path and to have you know this is what I'm doing. I'm accepted to this school, and and but Alan, you know, had no other motivation, except that he loves me. So, (laughs) so I was able to, you know, take advantage of of our relationship in that way too.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's wonderful. So Alan, can you share with us a bit about your
1: story there around those years
2: for you? I'd love to. Yeah. So I'll, I'll take you to like age uh, 13, 14 ish (laughs) next. Um, One of the next things that I did as I was playing around with it wasn't just video production for us. like there were other things like we had a homeschool co-op where like magic tricks like sleight of hand was just one of these random things that I thought was really fun and, and got into for a bit and it turned out not really to have a career right so it's it's wherever but so I had I had these various hobbies city planning is a random thing like played some city a lot and so now I can't drive around my city without just like judging every little intersection and like thinking about how to optimize the traffic right so there's it wasn't just the video production focus, but for the purpose of what we're talking about today, I'll just kind of focus on those. Cause they make a little narrative for us. Um, right next door to us, there's a little church and they had a, a day camp during the summers. And so one of the things that I got to do for them was volunteer to like, Hey, I'll like, I'll video the day's events. And like that night, there'll be like a replay video that I'll, I'll edit or for the next morning. Um, so I got to Practice having a deadline, and like you know, got to turn a thing out, and it's got to be a nice little story that you can follow. So I was, you know, looking. It was probably my mom's idea. Thinking about looking back on it. Um, so yeah, so it's a matter of right, proactively looking looking for those opportunities. Um, the next big thing that was really helpful was I got an internship at age fourteen with a little media production house uh, in town, and. I didn't realize till afterwards it was an internship that they had reserved for college students. Didn't know that, and I, I do remember my mom saying, "Alan, you should apply for an internship." Okay, so I wrote them an email like, "Hey, I'm interested in video production. Would love to just like be around, you guys, coffee, like anything, just to see a studio," and heard nothing. I was like, "Oh well." That was and my mom was like, "No, you need to write them again." And so I read them, hey, just following up, would love to make you guys coffee. And I think there might've been a third email a couple of weeks later after I had totally given up all hope. Um, and, and they accepted me. Um, yeah, I don't know if they knew I was 14 because they asked if I had my driver's license and I just said, no. <laughs> so, and, but yeah, no, we asked them later, like, why did you pick me? You, know, you had other candidates and they were like, well, you seemed the most like dedicated, the most interested. And it, like, I, I just really take that as a, like I, I treasure that memory because it was easy. I think a lot of people don't put in, put in the effort of just like replying to an email a few weeks later, like, Hey, I still actually care about this. Um, so, and that was my mom, like, Hey, you got to write this follow-up emails. So um, it was awesome. So I spent a year in this uh, media production internship, um, got to go out on real video shoots with them and help them edit stuff. And very like tiny bits of little things that I helped on ended up in final products that went on air. And so um, it was great. I I loved it. Um, Other things that happened was my mom said, you should get some structure. So there's a local filmmakers, Pittsburgh filmmakers. So she had, you know, pick, pick a thing and sign up for it. So I signed up for documentary filmmaking and so she drove me down, you know, twice a week or once a week to Pittsburgh to, to take that course. And that was great to actually have the structure of like, you know at a certain point like formal formal instructors and formal mentors make a huge difference you need to have someone who's worked in the field for a while at least in the in something like that so um yeah it was great to have the background like they said hey you need to make a documentary so I found a um it's probably my mom's suggestion again a local (laughs) I don't think of these things as they're happening but um local movie theater that a gentleman was restoring that was a hundred years old. So he had this cool little story about how it's, you know, he got it from the old owner and we're working on restoring it for the community. So I got to interview him and shoot all the B-roll and, you know, take the pictures and make a whole little documentary. So that was, that was my teens was, you know, like really like doing the work and like having people who I was working with and that was accountable to. So it was just a good way to just, like start working on it, you know, like it was very much a real world experience. Um, So it's, it's, it's hard to imagine that without a homeschooling structure. Like, how does that, how does that work (laughs) in a few hours a day after school? Right. So. um,
0: I think that was really cool. The way you were talking about, you know, your mom, because in the, you know, in the teen years too, you're just starting to recognize, you know, what's out there, you don't quite yet, you know, have the world or the experience in the world to, to notice these little things. And you trusted your mom, you know, when she brought these things up, it's like, Oh, okay. You know, that sounds like a good idea. I'm happy to try that, you know? And I'm sure too, if you're, were resistant to it, your mom wouldn't have forced you to do these things either, but she's seeing things and she's saying, Hey, you know what, this would bring a little bit of structure. You'd meet some, uh, you know, some more people in there, it might be a good idea. And then driving you into it, like a lot of the teen years with my kids was driving them to their, the things that they were interested in, right. And driving them to to social things and, you know, giving them the space. Like I remember my son's a stunt actor now. And I remember driving him and his friends regularly to the parkour gym in the city an hour away. Right. And then just, going and hanging out in the coffee shop take my laptop as you know treating it like a little day out for myself as well and then when they text and say okay we're done you know go picking them up that that's the fun thing you know for me as a unschooling parent was helping them find those things and helping them actually engage in the things that they're interested in and not in some martyrly way like oh i'm giving up my day to go drive into we're excited to drive you to the things because we know you're yeah. excited about it we're excited to hear how things go plus we also make the best of it for ourselves too like so it's something we also look forward to you know what i mean it, it our lives intertwine cuz we're living together right and we're yeah. all trying to support yeah. each other and we're having fun and we're excited about the fun things that we're doing you know what I mean like even even my son would be like cool you got to hang out the hot at the coffee shop you know he knew I'd be excited to have a few hours of my own just you know batting away at whatever I was doing it was it was really fun so I love that idea you know it's not an expectation that our unschooling kids should know all the things and be able to figure out all the next steps for themselves right we're living together and we're all sharing the pieces that we know, and as my kids are older, they're sharing things with me that they think I might be interested in that I hadn't discovered yet. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's not uh, an either or, it's not a parent child thing. It's the I have some knowledge, I have some ideas that might be interesting to you, and we share them, right? It's very much. I think
2: yeah. It's a great yeah. perspective to share. I don't, I don't think I was thinking of it from her perspective quite as much at that age, but um, well, yeah, I mean, she's, right? <laughs> she's, she's very much like my, my partner in learning, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And you know what, like the other thing that's interesting and you mentioned this Laura a little bit, you know, you were talking about the things when you were out in New Mexico and you were talking about the things and the mentors that led you toward your career. And then you talked about other things that were fascinating and really interesting that, haven't led to a career and income, but that's just as valuable, right? It's not. Yes. Yeah. It's about uh, how, who we are as a, uh, as as a person, the things that we're interested in as a whole person, some of them are going to make money. Some of them might be career related and some aren't, but they are all valuable, aren't they? Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and to your point about, um, like about partnership and learning here, uh, like between parents and kids. I am, I have a really good friend. We grew up, we grew up together. She was a home, she was a homeschooler, a classically educated homeschooler. I mean, they not only did their, you know, math worksheets at the table, they did Latin and Greek at the table, like very classically. And, and she's, she maintained that um, it's difficult to have to homeschool your child because, when, because it's very difficult to combine a loving relationship and an authoritative relationship. She thinks that you have to sacrifice one for the other. And I can see, I can see that, you know, um, it, it, it's an interesting discussion to have, but, and, and I think I even agree with her that, you know, if you, if you go for an authoritative parent-child relationship, there, there's, there's less of um a nurturing aspect to it um, and, and vice versa as well. But I find that um, it, when it comes to the way that we unschooled, um, we, you know, we didn't need any kind of authoritative relationship with our mother because because it was a partnership that was based on respect. And so when she made a suggestion, we followed it not because she was an authority figure, but because she was a respected older person who probably knew more than we did. <laughs> You know, so it, it, there was there's that kind of relationship that's fostered instead that can be fostered instead of the authority relationship.
0: I love that you brought that out, Laura, because some people might be listening and, you know, they hear Alan say, oh, my mom suggested this and my mom suggested that. But and they're thinking, you know, they may be interpreting that as, oh, well, she was telling Alan what to do. But no, that is entirely not the relationship that happens in unschooling families, right? It's not authoritarian at all. It's not based on control. It is that nurturing, trusting, connected relationship where, you know, she knew, Alan, where you were looking, like the direction you were going. And she was noticing things that might be interesting steps along the way. And she was putting them in your path. She was facilitating, helping, right? Connecting, and her knowing you enough to be able to do that. Like an authoritarian kind of relationship that's based in control and telling, there's not a lot of connecting going on. Then, and then you're, you know, especially as teams, there's probably not a lot of sharing going on as to what they're up to and what they're thinking. So, you know, a controlling, uh, focused parent probably doesn't even know that much enough about their child to make. Really useful suggestions along the way. You know what I mean,
1: <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I agree with that. It's a, it's a very that's that's fundamentally the relationships in the family. They are fundamentally different than than what you were describing with your friend Laura. Yeah, when it's that that's the whole thing. You know, when you see all these see all the the movies and and books about you know fam adult children coming home for holidays and all the, you know, um, trouble that that and challenges that that brings up, because you can't move out of that relationship style, just because they're now adults, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm going to be the authoritarian parent. And then once you get once you grow up, then we'll all be friends, you can't, it's so hard to change the relationship once you've said it, you know, after all those years, right. So that's why I think why your friend was saying, you know, it's kind of, you kind of can't do both because right. once you've gone authoritarian, that's kind of the structure that you've set up moving forward. Right.
1: Yes. Yep. It is.
2: I, I don't know to what extent this adds to what we're saying, but I, I, I skipped the rebellious teenager phase. Like, like I just don't have a oh, memory me too. of it
1: yeah. Yeah. at all. No. Like
2: we didn't have a yeah tense relationship where she was just engaged in what we were doing. And it was just like this easy transition from, preteen to teen to grown adult we've just our relationship we've just become more like friends
0: no that fits beautifully Alan because yeah when you're helping each other out when you're facilitating and you trust each other right there's and and she's helping you guys try to accomplish whatever it is you're trying to accomplish what is there to rebel against right because you don't have that control aspect. You don't have somebody telling you what you're supposed to do or what you have to do. You have somebody who is supporting you to accomplish what you want to do. So yeah. Rebelliousness doesn't really fit in there. Does it?
2: Not really. It really
1: doesn't. And I, yeah, I think a lot of, um, a lot of parents get a little bit um, scared of the idea of being friends with their kids, because uh, that's part of our society. You know, you, you don't be a friend to your child, you be a parent yeah. to them, you offer them structure. And I, I really don't think, especially based on my own experience that that giving up, um, or, or that being friends with your kids means you have to give up structure. That's not at all true. <laughs> That's it, like
0: uh I have quite a few episodes where we've talked about that shift from control as a parent to connection and how you're releasing that power structure, but the point is you don't release it and there's a vacuum where there's no structure and there's chaos, and everybody's just doing whatever. you know what I mean you're replacing it with that relationship with that connection with that trust. That's what you've got instead. So you're having conversations. So you know each other and you, you know, like your mom can suggest something that, that actually looks like a reasonable next step, something to try, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know, she has your best interests at heart, not something that the, she thinks you should be doing. And she's kind of trying to leave that in there, right? No, you fully trust that she's thinking about you, whether or not it hits the mark or not, is not really the point you trust that she's got she's got your best interest at heart and then then you think it through and then you choose whether or not you're going to do it right so that's that's the difference
2: and for as many examples as I've tossed out of ideas that she had that turned out to be great ideas in retrospect I'm sure there are plenty others that we've both long forgotten about that's like no let's like let's not do that so. Yeah, exactly.
0: And you probably you don't remember them for the most part because they weren't a big deal. Like you just said, mm-hmm. but no, that doesn't make sense to me. And everybody moved on. It wasn't like, oh, my gosh, no, you, she didn't try to cajole you and convince you like you'd remember that if it became a, a point of contention, but it wasn't a point of contention. Right? No. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Okay, so let's take another jump forward. And at this point, you have each ended up starting your own uh, multi-passionate companies. I love the way you described that, Laura. So I'd love to hear what that looks like and how you see your unschooling background continuing to weave into your lives now.
1: Um, I guess, yeah, I guess I'll start with that one. Um, so my company is called Bridges Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine. So what I what I do what my website says that I do is is acupuncture obviously and then everything that falls under the scope of Oriental medicine um, in the state which is um, Chinese herbs um, and different body therapies like moxibustion cupping gua sha there's there's lots of lots of different different metal modalities that fall under the scope so that's that's what I tell people I do but I named my company Bridges because I've always felt like a bridge myself, because our, our family you know, has been kind of straddling these two ideological worlds for most of my life. I've been equipped to show people alternatives. So like, you know, even though we were homeschoolers, we were unschoolers and we were really the only unschoolers in our area. So I I had to be able to talk to my homeschooling friends and, to, and tell them what I was doing as an unschooler. And I still had friends from public school and had to talk to them too. So from that very young age, I was talking about alternative education. Um, and that's actually where our website, why Unschool was born, at least for me, like I, I've always enjoyed um, telling people about, about this alternative. Um, and then, uh, and also, like politically and and religiously, we were we were of a different ilk as well. So I, I had to be able to explain my side to my world, which had generally very different ideas. Uh, when Alan and I were living in Orlando together um, during that kind of unintended gap year for me, <laughs> um, we started a spirituality discussion group um, yeah. that you know that kind of bridged that gap between. Most of our friends being um more conservative uh like mainstream American Christian to um a little bit more of a new age um kind of spirituality which is what our parents were exploring as we were growing up so so as as young adults we were kind of bridging that gap and meeting meeting people to help us on that particular journey as well so so my company now Bridges is um is meant to be a bridge between, uh, the contemporary, uh, Western medicine model and a more ancient holistic Eastern medicine model. So, so, um, so, but like, but even more than that, um, what I really enjoy doing, like what lights the fire within me when I'm with my patients is when they're ready for some sort of inner transformation and I help them to bridge that as well. Um, and that, that makes me so excited to see that happen in people. Um, And, and sometimes that means um, connecting, connecting my patients with other practitioners who do things differently than me, or sometimes even better than me, because, you know, we can't all, you know, like we have to know, understand our limitations in some things. Um, And so, so I kind of am like gathering this web of, alternative medicine practitioners in my area who I trust to do a good job at what they do. And so I'll refer my people to them. So I'm a bridge between um, people and practitioners as well. Um, and then it's kind of like an extension of my love of horses now and bringing my, uh, my horse back from New Mexico. Um, what I learned with him out there, my horse from New Mexico was how to work with Mustangs and, um, and natural horsemanship and sort of that, um, communicating with horses in horse language rather than human language. And so now I'm bringing that into my company as well. And I'm actually taking on students to teach people how to communicate with horses in that way. And as they do that, they start to connect with themselves internally because when we work with really any animal, but um, horses in particular, and especially Mustangs, especially wild Mustangs, because they're so, sensitive and they they see so much, they're a reflection of of our inner selves, of of what we're actually projecting into the world without realizing it. So so again, like I tell my students that I'll teach them how to how to you know communicate with the horse and how to work with a Mustang. Um, but what I'm really showing them is how to bridge the gaps within themselves, how to find their own Patterns and beliefs that are blocking them from whatever they want to be doing in their life. So I do a lot of kind of transformational coaching in that way as well, and I bring what I've learned from the horses into what I do with acupuncture and vice versa. Um, so I I absolutely love where I am now and what I'm doing now, and I I see very clearly how like I was so frustrated as a teenager seeing people like like Alan knowing what he wants to do, and you know my, my friend. Um, who knew she wanted to be a doctor and she went into pre-med. I was sitting there being like, I don't know. I kind of like to write. I kind of like to travel. I guess I want to work with people, you know, not, not knowing how any of this was going to work together. And and I can see now how all of this has really come together into what I really do, um, which uh, is is difficult to tell people in an elevator speech. So I tell them that I do acupuncture, but I do much more than that. <laughs>
0: Oh, I I love what you said there, because that's a really important piece, that it's our timetable, right? Now, it's not easy in the moment when it's not, like, clear. So, you know, I don't want to lessen the importance of of that challenge, Um, but truly when we can release, you know, the timetable, oh, at 18, they should, you know, be moving out and know what they know what they want to do in life. Like when you can release that timetable and as we've been talking about before, just that space to be, that space to follow our interests for a while. Like you just kept going and kept getting more experience with the things that were interesting to you, not knowing how they would weave together in the future. But again, it's it's that trust for ourselves too, right? the trust that i am interested in this you know trusting that that has value for me in some way and trusting that you see you can never see looking forward you can see it looking back right <laughs> yes.
1: and it's something i still have to tell myself too because i still know that my company isn't what i envision it to be yet and there's a lot that i don't know of what i envision my company to be i I want to continue to bridge. And obviously that probably means bringing in more people at some point. But, you know, like, especially when the pandemic hit last year, that really threw everything for, for a loop for me because suddenly I couldn't see people in person anymore. And so I had to think, okay, you know, do I pivot to online? Do I, what, what do I do? And, um, and And again, I was lost in that that vision of what my next step is and i I think that's just one of those things that I'm here on earth to do,
2: really is to learn how
1: to um take one step at a time and be okay with not knowing what the next what the next step really looks like, and trusting that everything will unfold because it has like when I look back like you said, um I can see that it has and that it can you know will continue to, but that's one of those things that i I need to be reminded of often often as well that uh, just keep putting one foot in front of the other just keep trying new things just you know <laughs> so and and that's part of you know where where unschooling continues for me you know at at 34 years old is um is being open to learning completely different things than I would have thought that I needed to learn and trying completely different things to see oh, is this the right path or is this the the heart interest that that comes up next um I've been teaching myself how to how to swing trade in the stock market <laughs> as as part of this, you know, like I if I can't be with people in person, I've got to make my money some other way. And and this that was just kind of one of those things that that grabbed on to me. And I was like, actually, I think I can do this. It's totally different from from acupuncture. And it's like not something I would have thought that I would have been interested in, but you know, the the pandemic kind of forced me to look in totally different directions. And so now I'm actually really enjoying it. And if I'm, if I'm not doing something for my business or, or to, something totally leisure and, and self-care oriented, I'm learning about the stock market now. So, um, so that, that's, yeah. And I, I don't know that I, again, would have had that kind of um, courage and, and, and understanding how important it is to look under all of the different rocks that, that present in front of you.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. The reminder that we're always learning, right? And mm-hmm. that 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 part that we, you know, gain experience in unschooling growing up in that lifestyle is that we can always learn new things. We can learn things about, you know, what we can learn deeper, the stuff that we already know. And it's okay and fun to just look under that new rock, right? And just start exploring that and yeah. And seeing what happens, right? Without putting expectations on ourselves about where that might go in
2: the future. Yeah.
1: How about you, Alan?
2: So, uh, yeah. So after late teens, um, I got one more internship. This this one was a bit easier. This was for a local church. And so they, they would just set up this, like, beautiful new, like, mega facility with all the cool, like, sound boards and light boards and stuff everyone was like that looks fun and they were like please use it because we need people to run it so um that, that started a really great internship for me because I helped them create videos right that would be played in the service and then during all the services there's all these soundboards and light boards that need to be run and so that was an interest that I didn't realize I had either until it right, I started looking at it but I was like this it was really great because it was like as as much fun as video production is this was this was that on a big like a big screen and it's like experiential that way and like people can experience it and like the lights can all move in sync with whatever video I've come up with right so it's just as video production is amplified so that was fantastic and I worked with them for a year or two and um yeah got to kind of like lead things and have deadlines responsibilities like okay, we need this by the weekend um so yeah, good chance to kind of like put on, put on my shoes and like, you know, actually be responsible for things. (laughs) Um, So that was 18, 19 ish around the next thing I did was I took six months off and flipped a house with a friend, completely random. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about fixing houses. um, But my friend who was my age like loved doing that. And he was always like tearing his family's house apart and putting it back together as a child kind of concept. So he was like, Alan, we can do this. It'll be great. Um, it, was, it was my grandmother's house that we needed to sell and it needed work. So we moved there for six months and flipped a house. And so I learned about redoing electrical and redoing plumbing and redoing the flooring. And we swapped out the kitchen. Um, it great fun. And I learned that I don't want to be in construction and <laughs> manual labor. Like I was constantly looking to him for guidance. And so it was a good experience for me, but I mention it because especially towards the end of that, I remember like waking up thinking like, man, I can't wait to just like make some videos again. Like it was the first few months of it were awesome and a great distraction. And I was learning new things and very productive, like stretching and growing that way. But I just vividly remember being like, "I, I can't wait to make videos again. And that was a really defining moment for me too. Of Like that's a really good sign that I can, I can take that much time off and miss it so much. Um, So that, that I think gave me a lot of confidence going forward to just like continue reminding myself, like, this is a thing that I like and and I enjoy it. And this is, this is probably what I'm going to be doing next, you know, trying to make money doing this. So we flipped the house, we sold it for like a net, like as much money as we put in was like, (laughs) like it wasn't profitable. The fact that we spent six months doing it, we could have just sold it and not waste all that money, but it's good experience. So um, we did that. I moved to Orlando with Laura. So Laura was going to go down there for a summer and I didn't know what to do next. And I thought oh, I'm in along with my sister and yeah, good new city. So that was my stepping stone to independence. Um, and I, I was like, I guess I'm going to get a client. I, like, I, like how do I, how do I freelance video production? Um, a local nonprofit was having a conference, the annual conference or whatever. And, um, Habitat for Humanity, Laura and I had volunteered on the weekends, whatever. I emailed them and I said, hey, I have a camera. Can I show up with the camera and just record something? And they said, we'd love that. And here, we, here's $50 if you could do that for us. And I was like, yes, my first paycheck just came from me. Uh, not, not really expecting one. Uh, what happened there, though, is I bumped into this um, magician, right? He was the entertainment. He was going from table to table, uh, you know, performing tricks. And that was his thing. And I... I like my childhood came flashing back to me because when I was in the high school co-op learning about magic tricks, there were all these videos of magicians doing street magic and then teaching how it worked. And I spent a lot of time watching those with my friends. So I was like, I know how to do that. Like I know what the angles should look like and like when to get a reaction and when to go back. Like this is made for it was awesome. So I spent the that evening just following him around to all the tables, getting everyone's reactions. And I got to edit a little promo reel for him and, and send it back to him. And he was delighted and he invited me to his next like magician meetup next Thursday. And he played it for them. And they were like, can you make us a video too? So that's what spiraled it. And all of a sudden I was just like one of the guys in Orlando who makes videos for magicians. And they just all kept telling each other about me. It it turned out to also be a really good group to mentor with too, because it turns out magicians are also freelancers at heart. They're constantly doing the hustle of trying to figure out where their next job is going to be dealing with individual client relationships every single time they get a new job. So it was really nice of them to just like break down with me, like, Hey, here's, here's what your process should be. Here's how you take really good notes on a call. You know, here's how you deal with invoicing and expectations. So that was, was great. Just like network. Like I didn't expect that to happen at all from a random email. Like, Hey, can I show up with my camera tomorrow? Um, so it's, it's fun to look back and watch those come together. Um, so that, uh, lasted on and off for six or eight months as I was trying to earn some money um like one of the magicians was like hey I need a video for my actual corporation where we do real things with real monies and we need a video too right so it was on a good track and this whole time I had my eyes on this company that I really wanted to work for and they were uh, they were cool because they were a video production studio but they also did live events in a big way and I thought that looks like so much fun to like like create videos and put them on a really big screen but just for like audiences with thousands of people they had a really cool portfolio that like oh wow i wish i knew how to make that um, so i did the same thing that i did with the internship where i sent the ceo an email I was like, i'd love to i didn't say i'd make him coffee for free but i was like i'd, I'd love to do these things here's like <laughs> some videos i've made <laughs> like i had my little portfolio by then i uh, heard nothing fine two, three months later, it's just like, Hey, here's my new schedule. Like I'm free. It would love to help out. And that went on for about a year. I think it was probably four different emails that I spread four or five over the course of the year, randomly one afternoon, just a reply. He's like, can you come in Thursday for an interview? It was like elated, elated, delighted. Um, and, and it was great. And you know, from his perspective, it was just, he was busy until then and happened to need someone then and my email was in his inbox. It's was like, all right. Um, And it was fantastic. It was great. I ended up working there full-time for about five years. And I rose through the ranks, became a creative producer, and got to work with clients on setting budgets and ended up hiring people and having a team that I was supervising. Really, really awesome. Um, And now I've moved back to Pittsburgh, and I'm running my own company now. So we do video production we have our own clients and me and my business partner and a couple of freelancers we work with so that's, that's kind of my story in a nutshell of how I got here
0: I'm sure there's lots of other twists and turns in there but I love I love the way you laid that out and it's again it ties back to what Laura was saying you don't really know looking forward right what that one little hey can I bring my camera can lead to but it's, it's being open to those things too, right? When you go, like noticing the magician at work, choosing to, you know, that's cool. I like that. I'm going to follow around and I'm going to practice, you know, my skills. It's like, I know when to go get the reaction and et, et cetera, mm-hmm. right? And then that connection led to, to something else and something else. That is something, you know, as unschooling parents, we have seen just over and over again when our kids just, Again, you're following your heart, right? You're following what looks interesting, what you'd like to do. And being open while you're doing it just leads to the next door opening and the next door, like something that you Mm -hmm. can never imagine, right? So often you don't even know the coolest doors, but when you're walking through the ones that look interesting and you're being open and receptive, to what you see just so that you can see what the next interesting door might be. Like, it's just amazing how many times the coolest paths unfold in front of us. Right. Yeah, it really
2: is. Yeah. It always catches me that surprise looking back just like random events.
0: Yeah, no, I, I thank you guys for sharing those stories. It's so cool. Just that, you know, that's what uh, a lot of listeners love to hear from uh, people who, Who've grown up unschooling, right? Just to see how their paths unfold. Because back to it, we're not looking for that conventional path of you know, high school, college, grad school, job. You know what I mean? So on one hand, it's super exciting that paths can just unfold in whatever way works, but that's also the real scary part, right? Because you don't know looking forward. <laughs> So yeah, hearing uh, different experiences is so so cool. So uh, last question, I would love to know what each of you appreciate most about growing up unschooling. Who wants to go first?
1: Laura,
2: I think we have the same answer.
1: (laughs) I think we we do have (laughs) the same answer. (laughs) Uh, The freedom, the freedom, hands down. Um, But that's a really far-reaching answer too. because obviously like the freedom, you know, growing up was great. It was a nice feeling to have, but um, but for me, it taught me how to deal with the shadow side of freedom too, which is um, like analysis paralysis. Like when there's infinite decisions and infinite choices that you can make, how do you possibly make them? Um, so, so like dealing with that, like being able to learn how to, um, turn over each of those stones or to, um, you know, try one thing and follow it for a little bit and, and trust that you can back out and go a different way. If it doesn't work out, you know, not feeling like stuck in a rut of like that one choice that you make, you have to go for it and you have to stay with that. Um, so that's, and that's been really helpful in, in running a business, obviously. (laughs) Um, but then, um, I, I think, I think my darkest times as an adult have been when I've forgotten that, like, like back during the pandemic, when everything was on lockdown and suddenly I couldn't see people in person. And I went, Oh no, I'm stuck. You know, what do I do? It took me remembering that there's always another option available to me to just try and try and try and not everything worked out until, um, until I kind of discovered uh, you know stock trading as an option and and we got to come back into you know in person stuff and so that like i I think like i said that that freedom was definitely the best thing, but it also taught me the other side of freedom that is um that can be challenging to deal with anything you want to add Alan
2: yeah, so my take on the freedom is is in the like having 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 free time right having space to learn experiences earlier and like good examples that i can think of have to do with the specific lessons that are relevant in video production you know when i was 12 and made that video with my cousins doing star wars there's no good quality copy of it anywhere because i didn't understand how to export things in, in a way to like preserve quality And it's just, it's embarrassing to look at how how terrible it all looks. And, uh, you know, so I learned at 12 to do that. And, you know, when I hire new people and we're working with them and they don't know those things, I have to do a double take. And like, you didn't, you didn't learn that when you were 12, right? Like to me, that was just like a life experience thing that I got started on a lot earlier. Um, There's other examples in like website development of just odds and ends that I just picked up and learned because I was just tinkering with projects, doing some web development when I was younger and, and the person I'm working with now just doesn't know those things. Cause, cause why would she, like, she was learning other things in school. So to me, the answer is that I'm just incredibly grateful for all the free time that I had in my teens to, to just use, use these tools and start practicing and effectively like gain relevant life experience a lot earlier. It's just been an awesome leg up.
0: Yeah. Cause really learning, <laughs> learning from our experiences is such a, such a strong way to learn like you remember that versus, you know, learning a process, say you take a class in video editing, and you learn the process, mm-hmm. and you press this, and then you press this and you press this. And often enough, you don't even understand how that's related to the output you know, mm-hmm. so it, it doesn't really have a lot of context. It is literally just the process that you've learned. So when you're actually using it and learning it through experiences and things that you're actually trying to accomplish, it just, it connects so much more solidly. That's something you've really learned at that point. Right.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that kind of um, that translates to our relationship with freedom itself. Like we, I, I think Alan and I kind of know what to do with freedom because of our unschooling background. And and one of the things that is really important uh to me and, and kind of has informed my my worldview is, you know, freedom obviously should be a right to everybody. Um, but but there's also a sense where I think I maybe I won't speak for Alan on this, but like I've learned where it's good to give up one's personal freedom for the sake of maybe a grander vision or for our society or for um, a, a single person. You know, like our, our freedom, our, our freedom is precious because we have the ability to give it to somebody else sometimes too. And and that's, that's what informs like my belief in that we should have nationalized health care or like regulations on, on car emissions like and that, things that, that restrict certain, freedoms. Like freedom doesn't have to be absolute in order to be precious and useful. And, and maybe it even shouldn't be absolute, um, which is something that I've been thinking a lot about lately.
0: I love that. And I think that does tie back to unschooling because that is so much about the context, right? It's, it's yeah. our freedom, but within the bigger picture that you're talking about, Laura, within that context, like you were saying, it's not absolute back to these are our choices. Right, and when the bigger picture makes sense, we are happy to. Um, I, I wouldn't even frame it as giving up our freedom, but you know, sharing it, seeing that bigger picture in in that context, right? And I think, as you were as you were saying, unschooling gives us that space growing up you were talking about kind of the shadow side of freedom having it that's that's all about you know the context of things right and being able to process through how do I fit into that bigger picture what makes sense to me about you know making choices because it it can feel like a way you know sometimes just tell me what to do feels easier right yeah (laughs) Yep, <laughs> so yeah, no, I think yep. I, that, that made a lot of sense to me, Laura. Thanks very much for sharing that piece. Well, I want to say thank you so much, guys, for taking the time to speak with me today. I well, so appreciate it, it was so this much was fun.
2: fun, it really is. Really appreciate you, Pam. Thank you.
0: Oh, and I will share the link to your website in the show notes as well. And I want to wish you both a wonderful day. Thanks again. Thanks, Pam. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey and be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website,
1: livingjoyfully.ca.